Welcome back, everybody, to Discourse from the Big Chair, the Internet's premier and probably only Tears for Fears podcast. But you know Mm. what? That makes us number one, baby, in the hearts and the minds of the Tears for Fears faithful. I am Steve Cuff, and uh, joining me is Steve Coleman. Hello. We are sitting in a big chair together. We we are sitting in a big chair together. This is a very intimate recording setup. We're uh, we're in... (laughs) Optimism Vaccine HQ, a.k.a. my living room with a single mic set up. So it's going to be a very intimate podcast. My cat's here as well. He's going to have some good running commentary for you guys. So, uh, yeah, the gang's all here. (laughs) Uh, We actually, we have a lot to discuss. So we, it was a big weekend for you. Big uh, weekend. A a slightly less big weekend for me. But uh, what what happened this past weekend, Steve? I am exhausted. Holy crap. Um, But... I saw Tears for Fears twice this past weekend. I saw them Thursday in St. Paul at the XL Energy Center. And then saw them again Saturday night here in Milwaukee. And some other band was touring with them. I'd never heard of them before. Alan Stone. (laughs) Alan Stone. Shout out to Alan Stone. (laughs) Who was on TV or not on TV, or we don't know? I, I thought that he was on The Voice, but yeah. apparently I was dead wrong. No. Well, you know, I'm sure he was on TV at some point in his life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good good adult education joke. Uh, we'll get into Hall & Oates more later. Is this, a, is this a first time for you, like the first time you've seen Tears for Fears, like back-to-back like this? Yeah, this was a big deal, um, and it was um, seeing them... I lived in Minneapolis, St. Paul for a long time, but I grew up in Milwaukee. So this is the first time I've seen them in Milwaukee. The very first time I saw Tears for Fears was in Minneapolis. Getting a little ahead of myself here, but yes, this is the first time I've seen them in two consecutive shows. Mm -hmm. Um, And I underestimated how tiring that can be. Yeah, that's that's a lot to take in. And so... Milwaukee have have they been to Milwaukee or have they not been to Milwaukee in a long time or what's what's the deal with that? They haven't been to Milwaukee since two thousand four. Okay, and that's and, when you saw them last. Yeah, and I I didn't get to see them when they came to Milwaukee. Oh, you didn't see them in Milwaukee? Yeah, because okay. it was a twenty one and over show, <laughs> and I was not twenty one yet. Or fresh faced nineteen year old Steve Coleman in college in Minnesota, and my parents went, and then my dad kept calling me on the phone <laughs> like during songs, and he just like let the phone sit on like the table or the chair while they were performing God. and it was really cool it was nice so so uh, you you heard you heard some big smash hits everybody wants to rule rule the world through a motorola razor yeah actually yeah i had a motorola <laughs> razor at the time <laughs> <laughs> of course you did holy shit so this was a slightly better uh experience i'm guessing yeah it was a it was a big deal to see them in my hometown and it sort of dawned on me as we were leaving the venue they were at the Bradley Center, which is a place I've been to at least a hundred times mm-hmm. throughout my entire life. One of the first shows I've ever been to was uh, Sesame Street Live when I was probably like four years old at the Bradley All Center. Right. And now it's come full circle because this is probably going to be the last show I will mm-hmm. ever see at the Bradley Center. So you basically saw the Bradley Center's full cycle then because, I mean, when you were mm-hmm. that young, it probably had just opened. It was yeah. brand new. Yeah, it was brand, brand new when hmm. it opened. Wow. I was I was four, I think, yeah. Wow. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about adult education by all notes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about when you saw them in St. Paul, uh, mm-hmm. them being um, uh, Cheers for Fears and, of course, Hall and Oates. 
what was that what was that experience like and and how do they sound and and what what was the the playlist like it was very um it was interesting i before we got to the show <laughs> i won tickets <laughs> to go to a show i already had tickets for it's, this is actually a really good story yeah. i think people need to hear this so i was at this bar down the street from the venue and like jack fm came in with a bunch of posters and they were doing a ticket giveaway and I went up and asked them, like, hey, is it worth it for me to enter? I already have tickets. I mean, they're the, we're up in, like, the upper level of the arena. And they're like, oh, yeah, definitely sign up. Like, you'll get upgraded if you win. And I'm the only person in the bar at this point. Mm-hmm. So I signed up, and then I wound up meeting my friends, Robin and Casey, friends of the show, mm-hmm. uh, at a brewery down the street. And then when we're walking back to the venue... We walk in front of this bar called Tom Reed's, where I entered this contest. There's a few more people there this time around, but we get there just as they're doing the drawing. Mm-hmm. I did not win, but a friend of ours who was with us, Ryan, did win. <laughs> and there are these tickets that are in like the bottom half of the lower level, and we're on the opposite side of the stage, so it's still pretty far away, but way closer than we were for the tickets that we paid for. Sure. And Robin and Casey's encouragement, they said, you need to go down and watch Tears for Fears there. Probably a good I idea. I felt bad leaving them behind because I went there specifically to experience the show with them. <laughs> but, yeah. And the place was packed. That mm-hmm. surprised me. I mean, I figured it would sell pretty well. Minneapolis-St. Paul is actually a big market, and shows usually sell really well. Mm-hmm. Um, this had to have been a sold-out show. I okay. didn't see any empty seats, wow. other than like the obstructed view ones that are like right by the stage that I don't even think they sold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I read the paper the next morning. There were like fourteen thousand people there. Whoa! So it was packed. That's a big show. Uh, so Robin and Casey, uh, friends of the show and real life actual yes. friends, real <laughs> life close friends. Yeah, of people ours. people who we actually like in real life. Uh, had they ever seen Tears for Fears before? They had not. Okay, so it was their um, first time. What, what was it like for them? Tell me about their first time, Steve. <laughs> they really enjoyed it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And specifically, Casey, after the show, he's like, I would pay money to see Tears for Fears again. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that so much about hauling outs. Yeah. But we'll get to that again. Did you, did you always know that, like in the back of your mind, that, that you wanted to be a part of Casey and Robin's first time? <laughs> I feel... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have. Like I've, I've anyway. Um, it was very special. I'm sure it is. It usually is. Um, I mean, it's always a little awkward at first, but then you know you get comfortable and you have a great time. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, fourteen thousand people are there too. Yeah, uh, which always that's that's what my first time. Was. Well, I mean, it wasn't that many people, but uh, well, I, I will say though that like with this show, mm-hmm. kind of using my personal example as a broader example. Uh, or putting using my example as context for something broader, the um, entire crowd, I'd say at least seventy five percent, were there just for hall notes. At least that's what it appeared like. Maybe mm-hmm. even maybe even a higher percentage than that. Sure. And what impressed me with Tears for Fears is that they clearly won everybody over. Mm-hmm. That being said, and having seen them twice in a row, I noticed different things about their sets. It was the same set list both nights. Okay. But played very differently. 
both okay. nights. Because um, I, I have my own thoughts on, on how they played in Milwaukee, but explain to me what was what was so different about the the St. Paul show. You could tell they were pretty tired. Oh, um, yeah. Which doesn't mean that they didn't bring the energy, but there was a cynicism, and there were just, like, very minor, like, and I only noticed this because this was my ninth Tears for Fears concert. <laughs> yeah, sure. There were minor things, like, during the... Uh, First guitar solo, Roland's guitar solo, and everybody wants to rule the world. He kind of missed a few uh, spots on the old fretboard there, Uh-oh. and I'm sure I'm the one of the only people who noticed it. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. It's not like it was like egregiously bad, but mm-hmm. I know it so well now. It's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, sure. And there was um, the stage banter is very different for them this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt's definitely taking on more of the leadership role as mm-hmm. far as that goes. Roland seemed very antagonistic towards the crowd. Oh, yeah? I mean, he has, like, a very dry sense of humor, so he's just kind of that way, I think, just in general. Naturally, but yeah. He, uh, when he's talking to the crowd, he's like, I want to thank everybody for coming out to the show tonight. We want to thank Hollow Notes for bringing us out on this fucking long tour. <laughs> and people are, like, <laughs> half the crowd's laughing and half the crowd's kind of, like, uncomfortably, like, grimacing. <laughs> and then he kind of goes into, like, a, a very short rant. It was hard to understand him at some points, but he's like, Ah, fucking shit! What the fuck? Jesus. What are we doing here? Like, wow, Rowan. And it's tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, like, I feel like it was kind of real. <laughs> <laughs> and so the energy, though, for them definitely picked up as they noticed the crowd really warming up to them. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that it was... A packed house. And, like, by three songs of their set, like, nobody was really out in the concession stands grabbing beer. Mm-hmm. Probably because it was $12. But yeah, still, yeah, um, like, everybody was into the show, and the crowd grew louder and louder. By the time they went out for their encore, the sound was deafening. And that was, for me, being there exclusively for Tears for Fears, that was awesome yeah. to witness. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, so... They play a great show, and then uh, and then Hall and Oates comes on. Yes, they did. And what was that like for you? Well, well, I guess what what were your expectations versus reality? I guess that's that's a good way to frame it. I've never been a huge Hall and Oates fan. Mm-hmm. In fact, there were probably a few years where I downright just dismissed them, didn't even like them at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe even actively hated them. Yeah. But in the years since then, I've warmed up to them a lot. I actually really like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like their songs. I don't know if I would go for a full album. Like, I don't know if I could put H2O on. You can't go for that? without. <laughs> I can't go for that. No, no. I can go for that. <laughs> like, I think I was telling you a couple of days ago, like, I feel like if I'm going to have one Hall & Oates record, it's going to be their rock and soul album. Sure. Which is just a great It's got most hits. of the hits, yeah. If if that album had uh, does that album have you make my dreams come true on it? I don't think it does. I don't know. I should just pull it out right now. I have it right over there. Uh, I, I don't think it. If it had that on it, it's like yeah, that's all you need to own. But they're I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with you there. They're not a band that I really care about that much, but I know they can write a catchy pop song. And, and I, I yeah, like I'm cool with their greatest hits, but I don't really want to dive into their albums. And any opportunity I've had to be like oh. I'm going to put on a whole Hall & Oates album. Then I immediately go, I didn't really need to do that. Yeah. And I think that explains the great divide. Um, 
the tour lineup of them touring together, especially on such a long tour, is slightly odd. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only things that make sense on the surface is that they're both duos and... They're, they're popular around the same time? Like, they yeah. peaked around the same time? Sure. Although I think it's unfair. <laughs> I always I always get upset and I always say, it's unfair that Tears for Fears is categorized as an 80s band. Mm-hmm. But I'm not fucking naive. I understand why that label's attached to them. Sure. And that's fine. Yeah. I think it's... L- Far less fair to say that about Hollow Notes, though, mm-hmm. um, because they were clearly popular before the 80s even happened. Sure. And I don't know. I, I respected them for that. I think their legacy is more than just being a goofy band from the 80s with, like, hammy music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, one of my favorite things about Hollow Notes is their music videos, because... <laughs> so, the, the aesthetic from uh, Private Eyes, which is just, like, a black backdrop, the band playing... And then the titular Hall and Oates in trench coats singing. Yeah. I feel like at least three of their music videos look exactly like that. Like, they just shot them back to back to back. Like, yeah, just play in front of this black background, and then you can wear costumes in this one, and then... <laughs> this one, it. no costumes. No costumes in this one. But otherwise, yeah, your your video budget is $10 and a, bo- and a bag of Fritos. Like, that's it. <laughs> and they, I bet Oates ate all the Fritos before Hall got to him. Mm-hmm. What a jerk. Yeah, that's why he never sang lead again. <laughs> Um, but, and then the other thing is like between the two bands, like, and you can see this between their stage shows, I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot more, I think, creativity in Tears for Fears as a music, not to say that that means that they're a better band necessarily, but just a different style. They're, I mean, Tears for Fears is always like on the edge of art rock, Mm -hmm. whereas Hall and Oates is just like, we just want to sing good tunes, man. Yeah. And that's... So that disparity, when you get to the actual show, makes that gulf even wider, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, so how did, how did Hollow Notes sound in, <laughs> in St. Paul? Um, they, they actually sounded pretty good in St. Paul. Uh, they definitely had a few technical issues, not to the level they had in Milwaukee two nights later, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But they, um, the sound was okay. Um, Oates' mic cut out every now and then, so you'd see him like singing, but then you couldn't hear him. You think Daryl Hall had a kill switch that he was stomping on? I think on? he did. <laughs> or I think it, I think it was Daryl Hall's massive fan that he had in front of him to like blow- blowing his perfectly feathered hair. <laughs> yeah. Kudos to them, too. They're both... I mean, Hall is 70. Oates is, I think, just about to turn 70. Yeah, which people don't realize. Hall and Oates are super, super old. Yeah. Like, really old. But you couldn't tell. Um, They've aged well, and they sound good, but here's the frustrating part about the Hall and Oates sets that I saw. I don't think that they're performing up to the standard that they could be. Mm -hmm. Um reading reviews of uh, the shows, people are pretty complimentary towards them, but there's this whole thing when they're doing press for the tour, like, we're going to rearrange some of our big hits. We're not a jukebox. We're not just going to play songs like you expect us to. And to me, that's fine. I'm all for rearrangements. But mm-hmm. what I feel Hall & Oates did is like they just played the greatest hits slowed down. Yeah. And Hall didn't always sing. Mm-hmm. Like, he would just kind of be like, whoa, here she comes. She's a man-eater, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch out, boy. 
<laughs> She's gonna chew you up. Like that kind of shit. Yeah, and the, that drives uh, me the, crazy. The Bob Dylan sing talking. Yeah, and he shouldn't be doing that. He's still a good singer because every once in a while he'd let out like a big yell and like mm-hmm. he's still totally got it. Yeah. So why are you like? And this is tour is promoting not a new album for anybody, mm-hmm. which is the frustrating thing about Tears for Fears is set because we didn't hear anything new, but. This is what people came to hear, and I think like by the time Hall and Oates came out, like unless you're a really devoted fan, mm-hmm. you left disappointed. I'm an example of that. Robin and Casey are an example of that. Um, three songs in, Casey turns to me and he's like, "Well, they're certainly not as upbeat as Tears for Fears were," <laughs> which is funny too because I think like naturally, if you listen to their singles, they're just a more upbeat band on yeah. record. So. It's it's funny that they weren't able to to convey that in a live setting. Well, and the um, the twenty minute jam sessions didn't hurt either. Oh, or didn't help. Uh, it was sort of like what I imagine Dave Matthews Band is going to sound like on a cruise ship in about twenty years. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So this was this was kind of cool for me, just because, and I think I mentioned this to you the other night. Uh, I've been to, gosh, tons and tons and tons of concerts over the years, and I've I've been to tiny little basement venues, to dive bars, to outdoor amphitheaters, you know, pretty broad range. But I had never been to a, an actual like stadium show before, mm-hmm. um, so that they're an arena show, as it were. Uh, so that was kind of cool for me, and I, I was thinking about during Tears for Fears set that like. I always feel like you lose some of that intimacy when you're when you're in a setting like that. Mm-hmm. But there's something with certain bands that that make you know, a certain type of music where it, it kind of clicks, and you're like, "Oh, this is what this song was meant for." So obviously, Tears of Fear's biggest hit is "Shout," mm-hmm. which if you go back and, and listen, I've, I've never. I mean, I've never been like, "Oh, Shout's a bad song," but I've always been a little bit lukewarm on it compared to no, a lot of their other uh, big singles from that era. And this is the first time that I really got it because you could just you could feel like the bass and the synth just like hitting you during that song, yeah. and then the whole the, just having a whole like stadium just kind of behind the song and, and just that energy in there is just like okay this this makes sense this is yeah. like this is literally an arena pop song I'm in an arena and it's it's so big and loud and it's just hitting you and it, it was great it was fantastic. And that was a first for me, too. I mean, I, Milwaukee was the 10th time I've seen Tears for Fears. But this is the first time for me seeing them in a big arena. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest has been like when we've seen them in like an outdoor amphitheater. But an enclosed arena with probably like 15,000 people surrounded surrounding you, um, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I've never enjoyed a shout performance more than I did that night. And usually shout to me is always like, all right, well, they have to play this, but that also means the show's over. I'm bummed out. Yeah, sure. But this time, I'm right there with you. you really, just whoever was mixing the Milwaukee show, by the way, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's the same guy every show on yeah, the tour, nailed it. Oh, yes. Oh, they sounded cow. fantastic. Just yeah. Just unbelievably good. Which is weird, too, because my other reservations with uh, music in big arenas is, I think in a lot of buildings, they're not built with concert acoustics in mind. They get really echoey, and it can be difficult for sound to carry properly, and 
they they sounded amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. So that that was cool, and and the set list was uh, was it was fine, it was nice. It was similar to previous times we had seen them. Mm-hmm. It felt a little bit leaner to me, um, mostly because I think they. I mean, and it was more high energy. They didn't do Woman in Chains. They didn't do Bad Man Song for twenty minutes. Um, they kept it very concise, and they just kind of like kept rolling. And they were they were also super fun. Like with their mm-hmm. stage banter, there was, yeah. there was one point where Roland, you know, with his dry sense of humor, was just like, "There's a rumor going around that we're going to swap members for our duos halfway through the tour." <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> and I think, like, that kind of for some people it went over like uh, a fart in, in a bathtub, but like for me it was like, "Oh man, yeah, it was funny." He's nailing the humor tonight. That was perfect. Yeah. And they they seemed genuinely excited to be in Milwaukee too. Like they were. Yeah. Super complimentary, and they called us beautiful. And I mean, not yeah. me individually, but like the crowd. So, like, that was one nice. of the first things Roland Orsville says, like, hey, Milwaukee, you sexy motherfuckers. <laughs> and this is so, this is probably the third or fourth time Tears of Fears has come to Milwaukee in, the hist- in their history as a band. Mm-hmm. Um, meeting specifically probably Roland Orsville's third or fourth time because he came here solo at one point. And every like recording I've ever heard. I got, I got a few bootlegs. No big deal. It's fine. <laughs> I just paid for the tape. But um, he really likes to say the word Milwaukee. He just and likes he to say that again. Milwaukee! Yeah! Milwaukee! I think one, and he mentioned this too. I think he's a big Wayne's World fan. Oh, that was Kurt. Oh, that was Kurt. Kurt's yeah. the big Wayne's World fan. Okay. And he was talking about the Wayne's World joke, which was funny too because. Like he made it, and 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 then everybody kind of reacted to it, and he was just like, "Oh wait, I bet you guys get that all the time, and it's probably not funny." <laughs> but then Which, that in itself was kind of funny. Well, that was better because as soon as he started talking, I was like, "Oh, he's like, whenever I think of Milwaukee, I think I was like, oh, fuck, here we go, cheese, happy days, beer, let's go, brats." I don't know. Yeah. So to hear Wayne's, that's a bit of a deeper cut. I mean, it's still very uh, ubiquitous in cult in pop culture, but mm-hmm. I appreciated that more. Yeah. Um, and going to the show, as a Milwaukee native, I was very nervous that they were going to phone it in. Yeah. And during the tour, they've been tweeting a lot of like pictures. Like Kurt Smith was tweeting just the day before in Minneapolis that he was like taking a run in Loring Park, and he went to like the Basilica of Saint Mary, which is this big like cathedral in Minneapolis. Sure. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And, like, Minneapolis is, like, my second hometown. Like, oh, man, he's hanging out. Like, I wonder what he's going to do in Milwaukee. I hope he doesn't, like, go to, like, the Bronze Fonz or something stupid like that. But maybe he'll go to, like, Collectivo and say it's, like, the best coffee he's ever had. And uh, he didn't even stay in Milwaukee. He stayed in (laughs) Chicago. And then after the show in Milwaukee, he flew to L.A. to be with his wife on Mother's Day. So he spent well, that's no time sweet. here. It is sweet. <laughs> but so it was endearing to hear him talk about Milwaukee a little bit. And then after the show, he tweeted, like, thanks, Milwaukee. We're, we're not worthy. Mm-hmm. Did the Wayne's World thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, were, they were really good. Um, I had two disappointments. One was no new stuff. Yeah. Which that hurt. Yeah. That, that one stung. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, and but at the same time, it's like, well, if they're not playing new material now, that means we're probably going to get them again when they go on tour 
with the new album. Yeah, and it's that's definitely going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it still hasn't been officially confirmed, but there's a new song. They're doing interviews for the tour. It's like we're going to be releasing a new album after the tour. Mm-hmm. My only worry is that they're playing Chicago tonight. I almost went to the show, by the way. <laughs> but I need to stop. You have an addiction. Yeah. I do have an addiction. The come down from these two shows has been really rough. I was not only exhausted yesterday, but I was actually kind of depressed. <laughs> like, I was really sad and bummed out. Um, which is why I came this close to buying a $50 ticket to see them in Chicago tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree with what you just said. And that's I'm really glad that you brought that point up. Yeah. We'll, we'll get them again. We'll get them again. Probably a more intimate venue. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I think the uh, <laughs> the other thing that really kind of bummed me out a little bit is I don't think I can ever hear change again. And, and not be disappointed that there's not, like, a hurricane going on. Right. <laughs> so if you guys go back, and, or if you remember listening to our, our past episode, when we saw them in Grand Rapids, which was really cool, is this pretty small outdoor venue. Yeah. Like, it was probably, like, 2,000 people tops. Yeah. Like, that's even pushing it. It might have been more like 1,500, 1,000 people. And uh, all of a sudden, like, literally right when they started playing Change, um, this massive gust of wind hit. And then just torrential downpour, and the lighting rig was was like swaying, and oh and then they were just like covered in rain, and they just kept playing. And I was just like, "Oh my god, this is either going to be amazing, or they're literally going to die on stage." Yeah, <laughs> it was amazingly scary. Um, yeah, and me and Steve were just like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'm never going to get that again. But it was it was cool, and I'm glad that we saw it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a great set. It was really cool to see see them in that setting, and I was super psyched. And, uh, you know, I had a few beers, so I was all energized. And then all the notes came on. Yeah, they, they certainly came, came on. So here's my experience with Hall of Notes, and I think Steve will probably echo this. Uh, I, I was a little, like, I, I didn't know what to expect exactly, but I figured that, you know, we'd, we'd hear the hits, and the hits would be fine, and that was going to be okay for me. So they come out and they start playing adult education, which has been stuck in my head for a few days now. So oh, yeah, oh yeah. So <laughs> anyway, I, I really like that song, and it's it, it's arranged in a really interesting way too. Like if you listen to it on record, and I was telling Steve earlier that I actually like uh, on Rock and Soul the the final, which is kind of a greatest hits record. The final track is Adult Education, but it's Adult Education live, and. I like that live version of Adult Education better than the recorded version, which there's very few songs I can say that about where I'm like, oh, yeah, the live version is definitely better. So, you know, I kind of had high hopes. And they come out, and immediately in that first song, on like four or five separate occasions, the whole arena is just smashed with feedback. Oh, yeah. Just actually bad, screeching feedback. Really hurt. Like, Yeah. And then the other thing, and, and this was a problem throughout the set, is compared to Tears for Fears, which isn't exactly like, you know, a death metal band, Paul Notes was so, so quiet. Yeah. So quiet. And what ended up happening was you, you had this, this bad sound with all this feedback. They were super quiet. And then the mix in general was just super, super muddy. Yeah. And it, it was annoying, because especially with a song like Adult Education, where... And they kind of bury this on the album version, too. It's got such a big arena rock guitar riff. And I feel like that's a song that really shines in that setting. 
and he was just buried. And then as they moved through their set, there was just like, there were so many songs where their idea of rearranging them was, let's basically ruin the momentum of the song so this Gandalf-looking guy with hair down to his <laughs> butt crack can play a 20-minute saxophone solo. And then, and then the craziest part was it, it started to feel like a surreal comedy sketch because whoever was doing visuals for Hall & Oates, they were just using, like, I don't know, like in 1997 when Windows Movie Maker first came out and you had, like, all the cheesy effects that you could just throw on there, that's what it looked like, just ridiculous stuff. None of it cool. Not even remotely cool. Not in any universe was it cool. Not that Hall & Oates is the coolest band around, but it's just like, guys, this looks amateur. This sounds amateur. You're clearly professionals. And there was zero energy. Tears for Fears was super high energy. They sounded great. They felt like they were excited to be there. They wanted to be there. They were having a good time. Hall & Oates, it just felt like labor, which is... Amusing to me because, like you said, like they came out and they're like, oh, we're not just going to play the hits. We're going to rearrange it. And it sounded like this was like a, a, a passion thing for them. And none of that passion was conveyed on stage. No, not at all. And <clears> I <throat> was getting – now, given at this point I was several beers deep, but I was getting like genuinely upset during this. Yeah, he left during um, – oh, what the hell? Uh, I can't go for that. No, I, I couldn't go for it and anymore. At about minute 13 out of 20 for I can't go for that, you're just like, I can't go for this. I'm out of here. <laughs> we didn't know you were, if you were going to come back. <laughs> I literally stormed off. And that was like probably an hour and a half into the show. That's the other thing that disappointed me a little bit. Um, here, Tears for Fears has to do this like tight 80-minute set. And they're working really hard. They win over the crowd, I feel. Mm-hmm. Easily, and then Hollow Notes has this like overindulgent set, and they go past the curfew time. Yeah, and yeah, they can do that. And I know they're the main event technically, mm-hmm. even though it's a co-headlining tour. But fuck you guys! <laughs> Come on. Also, uh, there was a couple guys that were down like in the floor area that were just like dancing and crying. Like they looked. You ever been to like a, a Morrissey show before? Where guys are just like like just like breaking down, they're so like overwhelmed with emotion. There was like five of those guys, but genuinely, it was like a really tepid reaction from the crowd. Like nobody was into it, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, it's like, who who are you playing to? Well, I will say that the crowd was um, more invalid <laughs> maybe, mm-hmm. compared to the other shows we've been to together. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I don't. And I don't think they were just not moving because they couldn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they would have in the first place. Yeah, I, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna have a good show, you need to connect with your audience, and you need to either be fun or interesting. Hall and Oates didn't really connect with the audience. They most certainly weren't fun, and they definitely weren't interesting. So I don't. I mean, and maybe I'm wrong here. If you're listening and you're like, "No, Hall and Oates is incredible," oh. I'm sure there'll be some people out there that think that. But oh God, whatever. Hey. I don't know if I understand those people. <laughs> no, it was one of the most flaccid performances I've ever seen from a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just, I mean, I've literally been to shows where bands have gotten into fistfights on stage, and that was a better show than this. Because at least that's that's interesting. That's a story. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really wanted to be won over by them. Um, yeah. And it just, it was clear that they could have been better. Yeah. Well, and, and I think... <laughs> When after the show, uh, Erica was just like, Hall and Oates, what's that like? 
and you and me were both just like <sighs> it's just like it's just this this like exhale and you just you just shake your head like I, I don't even know I don't know what that was it just wasn't fun it wasn't yeah. good couldn't deal with it I did leave uh, shortly after you left in the middle or a third of the way through um, I can't go for that yeah I decided to go buy my second T-shirt of the tour. Which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're about to go see these shows, they got good merch for the first time holy since we started cow, doing this yeah. podcast. The merch is amazing. They have like six different T-shirt designs, and they're all very unique. I got the classic logo one, and then I got the tour T-shirt. I'm a little disappointed that it says "shout" in it because I don't want to endorse one song. But now that we're sitting here talking about how much we enjoyed "Shout Out the Milwaukee Show," yeah. now I'm embracing it more. There you go, and it has all the tour dates on the back. I'm wearing it right now. I would, uh, the shirts do run a little big, actually. I wish I would have maybe gotten one size smaller, but thankfully I'm barrel-chested as fuck. So it's fine. It doesn't look like it's hanging off of me. Yeah, people don't know that you're actually a, a bodybuilder in real life. <laughs> That's right. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. You could be. Uh, so any anything else that you want to say about either, you know, either show or Tears for Fears or Hall & Oates or... Um, I going to both of these shows. I was really hoping they weren't going to sing "Tears for Fears." Wasn't going to do "Creep," mm-hmm. but I always kind of got it. But especially in St. Paul and especially in Milwaukee, oh yeah, people got excited. I I understand it, and it's just for me. It's like I'd rather just hear a "Tears for Fears" song. Like, why not throw "Closest Thing to Heaven" in the set list, or mm-hmm. or maybe a brand new song. Or if you're going to do a cover, why not do the Arcade Fire cover? But Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I'd be way more... Well, I mean, I, I, they wouldn't re- really be playing their audience, but if they played uh, their Animal Collective cover, their Arcade Fire cover, I, that would have been amazing. Yeah. But, man, people go wild for Creep. And mm-hmm. like people sing along to it. And I think it's a really good vocal performance from Roland, especially when he yeah. gets into the uh, the verses during the bridge of the song, and he just mm-hmm. can kind of like let his voice wail. That's cool, but I'm tired of it still. <laughs> I feel like I think Tears for Fears gets a better reaction out of Creep than Radiohead does, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Uh, other than that, I, I guess the only other the only other thing on our on the docket here is uh, we got some fan mail since our last yeah. episode. Yeah, so um, shout out to Tears for Fear super fan and podcast listener, friend of the show Jesse, for sending us a really nice email. Yeah, and I think she was at the uh, the, the Milwaukee show, right? I think so. Cool. Uh, we didn't uh, wind up running into well, we didn't wind up running into anybody. Yeah, but um, hopefully she had a good time. And thanks yeah. again for uh, the message. Absolutely, yeah, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, whether you have comments on the show or you just want to share your experiences, uh, if you got a cool story that you want us to to share on the podcast, we'd love to share that. Uh, so you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail dot com, or you can tweet at us at optimismvaccine on Twitter. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook again, optimismvaccine. If you want to tweet at us individually, uh, if you got beef with Steve Coleman, uh, he's at Colemania K O H L. M A N I A. You got it. All right. What do I win? And then you can you can tweet at me at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C U F F. And of course, if you are listening right now, we need you to do us a favor, a big favor. In the description below this podcast, you will see a link to our iTunes page. All you got to do, if you're listening on your phone, just scroll down, click it. If you're listening on online on the website. From your computer at home, that's fine. Just scroll down, click on this little thing. It'll take you to our iTunes page. 
Once you hit our iTunes page, you can rate and review the podcast. So please give us five stars, write a written review. The written review is super, super important. Why is that? Because when you rate and give a written review to a podcast, it increases the visibility. The more visibility that this podcast gets, the more people uh, can discover it and learn about Tears for Fears and our experiences and then Tears for Fears will sell 10 bazillion records and everyone will be happy. That's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, so, yeah, check us out on iTunes. Please rate and review us. And uh, I, I think with that, we'll probably uh, we'll see you next oh, time they come to town. I do have one final word, though, just really quick. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, The same night that we were at the show in Milwaukee, uh, another Tears for Fears former band member, member passed away. Oh, Jesus. Who was yeah. it? How'd you bury that lead? Sorry. <laughs> should have started with that. Uh, Jimmy Copley, who was the drummer, drummer? during yeah. the uh, Seeds of Love tour. And okay. uh, you can see him on the Going to California video. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything they did, like the Nebworth show. Uh, he's in the music video for Advice for the Young at Heart. Really awesome drummer. I think probably the unsung hero of that tour, even though it's not my favorite tour of Tears for Fuses, he was amazing as their drummer Mm -hmm. uh, and sadly passed away the same night we were at the show in Milwaukee. That sucks. Well, condolences uh, to his family, man. That's a bummer. R.I.P. Well, on that note, (laughs) jeez, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so... We'll be back. (laughs) We'll be back, hopefully. See you later. (laughs) 